0: hi everyone good morning good morning it's it's Wednesday Bible study and I'm gonna give people a few minutes to, to come on again I did no advert I felt like whoever wants to join can join they know about Wednesday Bible study for the most part um, yeah so we're gonna we're gonna um, start in a minute and I'm gonna gonna give you some time uh, just a minute or two for those who normally come live that'll be great um, I'm just uh, you know why don't we begin? with a word of prayer, okay? Let's let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for this time together that we can look at your word and we can study your word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, highlight the word to us. Speak to our hearts, open our ears, open our eyes spiritually, Lord, that we can see and hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us, Father, through the word of God. And just at the end of it all, Lord, help us love, and revere and honor you more, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, we are in the book of Matthew still. We are really just going at it quite quite slowly. But I'm loving it because you're, you we're really picking out some great highlights from the word of God. And getting deep in to um, each section. You know, we're not skimming it. I do a class where I, where I skim um, books of the Bible. Um, and I love that. That's one way to study the Bible where we just do like a big overview of the book and then move on to another book. Um, but I am enjoying this because I, we're digging deep into small sections and really growing. So we are in Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. And we are going to read that right now because it's a wonderful account. And let me read it to you. So Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. Okay, and this is entitled in my Bible, Jesus forgives and heals a paralytic, a paralyzed man. Okay, so let's begin chapter 9, Matthew. So he got into the boat, that's Jesus, and crossed over and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic, lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, because some people brought the paralytic man, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at, at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, so he said, he said, I'm going to show you something to show that the Son of Man has power, power on earth to forgive sins. Then he turns to the paralytic and says, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitudes saw it, they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. Amazing. Love that account. There is, you know, it's such a small amount of verses, eight verses. But the more I've read it, and I've read it quite a lot in the last few days just to, to see what I could pull from that. There is so much that God is saying to me there and to us. So let's talk about some of those things. Okay, so this account of the paralyzed man is not just in the book of Matthew. It's also in the books of Luke and Mark, and they give other details that Matthew doesn't give. Matthew actually doesn't get too much into the details of this. In the other books, there's more detail about this, about how the friends brought the paralyzed man, couldn't find a way to get him close to Jesus. So they they brought him up, a paralyzed man who has no ability to move. He's laying on a mat. The friends want to get him to Jesus. So they climb up onto the roof of a house. Not only do they get to the roof of the house, but they dig a hole in the roof. <laughs> and they lower the man down into the house right there in front of Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Imagine. That is amazing. That's like... um. That's like some amazing level of um, wanting to get to Jesus. I don't know how to word it. It's just amazing to have friends who would do that for you. Wow. You know? So they want to get this man. Now, Matthew doesn't talk about those details. He talks about other details. Um, Some people like to look at the differences in the gospel accounts and say, Well, look, that shows that, um, you know, there's discrepancies. There's no discrepancies. It's point of view, which means Matthew... A person viewed what happened, and that's what Matthew took away from it. Luke and Mark watched the same incident happen, watched the same account happen, and they took away from that what they took away from that. It's like you and me sitting in, let's say, a church service. We all hear the same sermon. If you were to interview 10 10 different people about the same um, sermon and say, okay, what did you get out of it? What did you get out of it? They might be slightly similar, but there's going to be differences. And that is because the Word of God hits us differently. And because it's alive and it's, and, and it's a spiritual book, it's going to come at us with the Spirit of God talking to us and what we need and what God wants to say to us in our situation. And that could be different from the next person. So Matthew took away from this account what Matthew took away from this account, what the Spirit of God showed him, and he wrote it down. Okay, so um, these friends, they bring this paralyzed man through difficulty um, to Jesus because they couldn't get him through the the crowd. We learned that from another account, but we, we realized that it was through great difficulty. But they had faith. Something that all the accounts discuss is these friends of this paralytic man, they had faith that Jesus could help them in their situation. That was the same in every account. And these friends brought a man who was physically unwell. He was paralyzed, right? It's obvious what the man needed, so you would think, right? Because you're looking at the man. The man's laying on a mat. Uh, Let's put it this way. In biblical times, the government wasn't going to help someone just because they were paralyzed. Oh, he's paralyzed. He can't afford to work. I mean, he can't work and therefore can't afford things like paying rent or or buying a house or food or shelter anything you know he can't afford those things in biblical days he would have had to be a beggar he would not have had um, money coming in from outside sources like the government in supporting someone who who needs help he would have been poor he would have had so not just being a paralyzed man but he would have had to be a beggar and he would have had to Um, rely upon the help of strangers when and if he could get and He must have had a group of people who passed him often and saw him. These could have been those very people. Anyway, this man being a paralyzed man, you have to look at it in the context of where he was. He was in ancient Israel. Um, There was not a lot of help for this man. He would have been a beggar. He would have been poor. He would have had many struggles that people today would not necessarily have, especially in a Western culture, let's say, where there would be benefits from the government. Okay. So Jesus sees this man, the paralyzed man is brought to him. And Jesus, seeing he's a paralyzed man, you would think, okay, you are paralyzed and you need to be healed. And yet something very different happens. Jesus says to the man, your sins are forgiven you get up and walk, and then heals him. So this man comes to him with a physical ailment, not asking for anything but physical healing, so it seems. And yet the first thing that Jesus does is forgive the man's sins. Okay, what does that say? What does that say to us? You know, we come to God with things, with our needs. They seem like they're the biggest needs that we have. You know, hunger or lack of ability to pay a bill or, or um, an obvious sickness or a diagnosis or um, an obvious family trouble and we bring these things to God and we think these are the biggest things that we're putting before God and they are big I'm not just I'm not saying that our problems are not big they're big to us if you have a sickness it's big if you can't pay a bill it's big but the first thing you have to do is wait something to Jesus. You have to say, Father, I bring you this problem. I bring this to you. And then you've got to trust that God knows what we need most. In the case of this man, this man's bigger need, okay, you have a need, it's big, but there's sometimes bigger needs. And sometimes God's going to highlight those bigger needs. In this case, this man needed eternal salvation. What does that say? It means that eternal salvation, having our sins forgiven and being made right with God is the number one thing that we could ever need in any situation. Even if our physical need is great, when there's spiritual needs, such as the need for salvation, the need for forgiveness, that need trumps our physical need, because an eternal need is always going to to trump a a temporary physical need, such as this man's temporary need. The temporary need was for physical healing. It's temporary because we live in these bodies for only a certain amount of time, but we live in eternity forever. And so God, Jesus is saying, I need you to be right with God. That's the number one thing. So Jesus addresses the number one need. It makes me think that. You know, sometimes I have come to God and as I'm praying and as I'm making petition before the Lord thinking my problem is so big, right, Um, and this thing. And then all of a sudden I hear this gentle prompting in my heart from the Holy Spirit to say, did you forgive that person that said that nasty thing to you, Gina? Because I feel like you're holding on. I know you're holding on to some bitterness there. And you need to forgive it. And I'm like, no, but Jesus, I'm bringing to you this important need. And again, I'm praying. I'm praying my need, my need. I need this thing. And I feel the gentle prompting. Gina, did you forgive that person yet? Have you bring brought that situation before me? And you know, sometimes I have had to deal with what God thought and what God knows is the more important issue. Let's say in that particular case, it was I needed to forgive someone and get that off of my heart and get that out of my mind and just lay that thing down before the Lord before I brought my my what I considered my greater need. God saw my greatest need. Okay. Um, let's see. Okay. Now Jesus says, "Your sins are forgiven, you." Now, to us, that doesn't strike us as, oh, whoa, of course, Jesus forgives our sin, right? Well, back then, okay, there were very religious leaders who were workers for the temple. They worked in the temple. They were scribes and priests and teachers of the law. And that was according to the law. And they were right. Only something God could do. People can't go around forgiving sins, I can't go around and say, you're absolved of your sins. You're absolved of your sins. I can't do that today. I cannot forgive sins. I do not give someone um, e- eternal forgiveness. And and, G- and these guys were looking at Jesus, the, the religious of the day, and saying, they and they were only thinking it. They never spoke it out. It says, and in their hearts, inside, to themselves, they were saying, This is blasphemous. A man saying he forgives sins when only God can forgive sins. Now, they never said the words. They were only thoughts. But Jesus, look in verse 4, says, But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? You know, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, rise up and walk? Jesus knew their thoughts. Jesus knows our thoughts. Let that not be a scary thing, okay? It's not a scary thing. He knows everything. It's all laid bare before him. Our good thoughts, our bad thoughts. In this case, he was saying, that's an evil thought you're having there. Um, He knows everything. So there's nothing we can't bring to God that he doesn't already know. And yet he wants us to bring these things to him. Jesus knew their thoughts. Then verse five, he says, okay, okay, guys, what is easier to say? Is it easier for, for um, me to say, rise up and walk to a man who's been paralyzed since birth and has never taken a step and has never been able to move. He has been a paralytic since birth. What's easier to say, rise up and walk to that guy or to say, your sins are forgiven you? Well, in my opinion, if, if Jesus was, was a, um, a faker, a fake guy, and just wanted to, you know, win a crowd, obviously, it would be easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, because you can't see that, can you? No one can see that your sins have been washed away on the inside. None of us can see the heart. Only God sees the heart, right? So, you know, Jesus said, listen, I want you to know like I know, that I have forgiven this man's sins and that God has given me the authority to forgive these sins. But the way I'm going to show you something that can't be seen with the physical eyes is to, sh- to show you something impossible. Absolutely only God could do it. I'm going to show you by healing this guy, then you're going to know that this other impossible thing that, again, only God can do that I have the authority to do it. So what happens is he turns to the man and he says, rise up and walk and go home. The man immediately gets up off his bed. hasn't walked ever, (laughs) ever. What a miraculous, wonderful thing. It says the people marveled. The people were like, (gasps) you know, marveling. The friends must have been marveling. Everyone was marveling. Even the religious leaders were probably taken aback by this. But this was done in this case to show these men who know, who knew, and the people knew this too, that only God can forgive sins. They were not wrong in thinking that. The only thing that they were wrong about is thinking that Jesus wasn't who the claims were that he was, the Son of God. And he showed them. He did it a physically impossible thing. That only God could do by healing this man, He did it, and um, and so then they had to believe. You would think they would have to believe that if you could heal this guy and do an impossible thing, then you can do that only God can do. Then obviously you can do this other thing that only God can do, which is forgive sins. Okay, so um, yeah, so it was an amazing miracle, and Jesus, without saying. I, I am from God. I am the Son of God, okay? I wield the power of God because I am the Son of God, you know? And, and Jesus was God, okay? Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. They're all God. Jesus is God, okay? So he was saying it, without saying it. And you're going to notice in the ministry of Jesus, all throughout the Gospels, Jesus never said, I'm God, guys. (laughs) He never said that. But he did things. And we learned this already. We learned this, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, when we talked about Jesus calming the storm in the boat. He was in the boat. The storm came. The guy said, get up, Jesus, we're going to perish in this storm. And Jesus says, oh, you of little faith, how could you not believe? Because they'd seen miracles already. Then Jesus calms the storm, calms it completely, and everything is calm and peaceful, which backed up a certain psalm. There were two psalms where it's written that, and God calms the storm. And, And these guys would have known that because they would have heard it in the synagogue when they had read out the... The, the Psalms, they would have heard that only God can calm storms. And here's this seeming man calming a storm. And it made the, the disciples who were in the boat with him say, Who is this man that is with us? You know, and then they wondered. They wondered, Who is he? Well, they, they were starting to twig. Um, I think this is God. I think this is God. And that was a right thought. Jesus wanted them to put two and two together and say, Only God can calm storms. He just calmed a storm with his very words, and that's it, um, and therefore, he is God. The other thing is, in the next story, after the, the uh, storm-calming story, comes Jesus, which we learned last week, going into the tombs, and the devils that are in, this, um, in these two men, these two demoniacs, approach Jesus, and they, they approach him by speaking out his title, so the demonic... Entities knew who Jesus was, and they said, Son of God, what have we to do with you? Remember we learned that last week? The devils knew the identity of Jesus. Now again, Jesus, without saying it, because he wants us to be looking intently, hungering after what God is doing, listening for what he is saying. And and he wanted them to notice that only God can forgive sins. This man forgives sins. Proof of that is the fact that only God can heal a paralytic from birth, that not even a doctor or med- medical person can heal. No one can help this man. Only God. And he helps the man. He makes him walk. Perfect. You know, even with physical therapy, somebody who goes through something is still going to take you know, who's been through an accident and and can walk a little bit, it's going to take a long time to get strong. This man in minutes stands up off his mat and goes home. Miraculous on so many counts. You know how Jesus caused him to walk, strengthened muscles and, and joints and things that had never been stood on. There was no muscle mass there. God did a creative, amazing miracle. Only God could do that. These men saw that, and so Jesus was revealing the fact that he is God, you know, and, and, and without saying the words, I am God, and Jesus never said, I am God, but he always wanted everyone to, to come to the realization themselves, even Peter, and he said to Peter, Gee, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter got it and said, you are the Christ, the anointed one, you know? And, and Jesus said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You know, he wants us to, to be looking the things he does and says to us in his words, in the things we hear, in the sermons we hear, as we're reading the scriptures. God wants us to be inclined to his very words, to his actions, um, he's saying things without saying things to us, just like He was saying things to all of humanity that we're watching. He wants us sometimes to take the Word of God. He is saying things to us, but He's saying something sometimes in a more roundabout sort of way, that we come to this epiphany, to this moment where we hear the voice of God, and we can hear the voice of God, because it says, "My sheep." Hear my voice. We can hear the voice of God. You know? The problem with a lot of the people in Jesus' day was, it says we had, they had ears but did not hear. They had eyes but they did not see. Now everybody, for the most part, you know, has physical ears that hear or physical eyes that see. And he wasn't talking about our physical ears and our physical eyes. What he was saying was that people have physical ears and physical eyes and they only work with their physical senses they are not spiritual people and they're not they've not got their spiritual ears open and their spiritual eyes open and so even though jesus was revealing all the time who he was through his actions through the miraculous through doing and saying things that caused people to marvel and to wonder. He was saying he was God, and he wanted them to come to the conclusion. But their spiritual eyes and their spiritual ears weren't opened. And we, he wants us again, without saying it. He wants us to to make it ourselves aware that we need, as the people of God, to always be seeking the help of God, and and the Holy Spirit in every all of our hearing from God and and the things we hear um, from from sermons and and hearing hearing through the Bible, um, to say to God, open my spiritual ears, open my spiritual eyes, that I would not be deaf or blind to what you are saying to me, God. Oh God, what are you saying to me? Open my eyes, Open my ears that I would not be deaf to those things like the religious leaders of that day were. They were very blind and very deaf. If they hadn't been, they wouldn't have been seeking to to kill Jesus as as a blasphemer because they would know what God had been saying, what God had been shouting through the actions of Jesus is that he's God. He is God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Can you not see it? Can you not hear it? And yet these people were so deaf to those things. Oh, God, help us that we should never be spiritually blind and never be spiritually deaf. And and, and let us approach the word of God with humility and say, God, open my eyes and open my ears. You know, every time we come to the word, Lord, just shed light on this, open my eyes, open my ears, that I would know what you are saying to me, nice and loud and nice and clear, because I'm one of your sheep, and I can hear your voice, that's a good prayer, that's a good prayer, okay, all right, Um, let's see, what else have we learned from this account? Um, hmm, there's so much I said without looking at my notes because it's just in my heart. The story's really impacted me. Um, so yeah, we just got to have that spiritual open ear, spiritually open eyes. Okay, what are some other takeaways from this account in the scripture? Okay, sometimes we need the faith and the help of others in our weakness. Did you ever come to a time in your life where you felt weak, where you felt tired, where you felt so discouraged where you felt heavy, and you needed other people to pray for you, to encourage you, and to help lift you up in your faith. You know, we were not meant to do life alone. Um, look at the very beginning of time, you know, when God created Adam. It said, it is not good that man should be alone. And that goes on. That, that, the truth of that reverberates through all time. It isn't good for us to be alone. You know why? Because we walk a walk of life, a journey through life, where we're constantly being bombarded with um, okay, let's just look at billboards, let's look at the news, let's look at our phones. Constantly being bombarded with negativity, sinfulness—even—even even if you're a godly person, things come up on your newsfeed that are absolutely like, let me get that off there quick." Things that, that that do not feed us in a good way spiritually, and they they cause us to become oh, blind to the to, or to forget—not blind, but to forget the good things of God, the things of the kingdom, things. Like the world constantly, advertising is always telling us you don't have enough. You aren't enough. You need this product or you will not be enough. You know, you stink. You're fat. I mean, this is what advertising tells us, right? All these horrible things that we, we're not good enough. And we're being bombarded with that all day long, whether we know it or not, um, whether we're aware of it or not. We need the people of God around us. Our friends who love the Lord. Life groups in our churches. That's what our life groups do in our church, family church. Is we get a group of people in a smaller group. They come together. They read the word. They pray together. They encourage one another. People can bring the things that happen to them in a week and say, you know what? I've had a really hard week. It's been hard at work. My boss is really putting me down a lot. This person is really difficult to live with. My marriage is is really struggling. My kids are really um, playing up and not, not listening to me and going in a wrong way. Will you pray with me? Yes, people of God, that's what they do. They come together. They pray with each other. They lift one another up. And, um, you know, the Bible even says it's, it's not good that someone should walk alone because if one falls, then the other one can lift him up. And that's a spiritual principle that we need people in life. This paralytic man could not get to Jesus He was at a low, low point in his life. Even if he wanted to get to Jesus, there was no way for him to get to Jesus. And his friends lifted him up. But not just lifted him up, they lifted him up onto a roof, broke open the roof, and lowered Jesus in. That's friendship, and that's what godly friendships should be doing. That's the kind of friends we should be. Let's learn from these friends to be bringers. That we are the ones who will bring the downhearted, the, the struggling, our brothers and sisters in Christ even who are struggling. The world, people we know at work, bring them to Jesus. You know, it's not weird and it doesn't have to be strange. Someone at work could be down. Maybe they've experienced something that brought grief in their life. Just hug them. Just encourage them. You know, buy them some flowers. And when that gives you an opening to talk to them, talk to them. Say I'm praying for you. I believe in Jesus, and I believe Jesus is the bringer of peace. And and I'm praying for you. And you can even ask them if you're bold enough. Could I pray with you right now and just, you know, encourage you in that way? They might say yes. They might say no. Pray at home. It's okay. Do that and say then I will be. I will be praying for you. And then follow up. Follow up on it. Talk to them. Be like the friends of the paralytic. Okay. Um, Okay. What is another takeaway from this account? Faith is always the correct approach to Jesus in our hardships, in our hardship and our pain. Faith. These people had faith. These friends knew. I know nobody else can do anything for you, but Jesus can do something for you. I don't even know if they knew Jesus would heal them. Maybe they thought Jesus would just encourage them. Whatever. Jesus is the answer. When the world says it's impossible... It's never impossible for God. God will always bring light into the situation, light into our heart. It says that there's no darkness in, in, in him. Even darkness becomes light in him, it says in the Psalms. So faith and coming to Jesus in our hardships and in our pain is always the right response to our pain, especially as a believer, especially as someone who of faith. The, the place to be is, is in Jesus. The place to go is Jesus. Bring your problems and your difficulties in God, knowing, knowing that in God, he has an answer. He has a solution. He has his way of bringing us what we need in our situation. Okay? Um, and how do we do that? How do we bring our needs, our friend's needs, to Jesus, right? You say, well, it was easy. Jesus was here in physical form. They just brought physically their friend to Jesus. But you know how we do these things today? Now that Jesus has been already born, he died, he rose again, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. How do we then bring our things to Jesus? How do we bring them? If our right response is to bring everything in faith to Jesus, okay, carve out time in your day to pray and talk to God. It doesn't have to be hours. You can pray um, for two minutes. You can pray in your day for one minute. But bring it to Jesus. Carve out time, even if it's a little time. Maybe you need more time than that. Maybe you have the opportunity to do that. Do it if you can. But carve out some time. You know, as Christians, we have uh, other tools. So we have prayer. That's one of our tools, right? To carve out time. We can fast. Now, fasting doesn't change our situation, but fasting changes us. uh, Fasting causes us to put our flesh into and tell our flesh, shut up. Stop it, flesh. You know, you're always distracted. You're not able to concentrate on God and hear God because there's so much happening. Blah, blah. You know, it's just blah, blah in your head. We can fast. Fasting. Um, Let's say is for a time. It could be even one meal where we skip a meal. Let our body get a little bit hungry. Let it get a little bit so that your tummy's rumbling. Because sometimes we need to just tell our flesh, listen, flesh. Right now, I need my spirit to rise up over you, silly old flesh, and I need you to be quiet. And I need to hear from God. And sometimes fasting just makes us that little bit more attuned to the Spirit of God. So that's just another way to bring things to God and for us to be more susceptible to hearing what God has to say. Um, The other thing is be in the Word. This is the number one way God is going to address our situations, our problems, through His promises, through His Word, through His encouragement. Those are the ways that we can bring our problems and our situations to Jesus by bringing them to him and hearing what he's got to say through the word by hearing what he's got to say in fasting by bringing our situations um, in prayer before God prayer is powerful all those ways coming to Jesus in faith is always the right response these this paralytic and his friends were correct and they got an amazing result. The, the man was healed that very day and everyone was encouraged and everyone's faith was built up and um, it was an amazing moment. Okay, uh-huh. last thing is compassion. We need to be like these friends of the paralytic and be a people of compassion. Okay, um, now listen, compassion, we have misunderstood compassion. I'm almost done. I got two minutes and I'm going to be done. Compassion is feeling the pain of another person and to be willing to suffer with someone in their sufferings. That means you are taking on along with them their suffering. So compassion is twofold. It's, it's being in it with them. is saying, I am in this with you. And it's taking on some of the pain and the, and the struggle with that person and to be willing to be willing to do something about what you're feeling for this person because it's not enough just to cry tears for the for the for someone is it it's just it's just not enough to to see someone in struggle um and be like oh poor thing and then walk past and do nothing it is not enough like I said to be a bringer we need to be bringers. So we see someone in pain and, and we need to be praying that we become compassionate people and feel with the heart of God like these friends and and to be willing to, be, to do something about the, the, the pain we feel for that person. Because it's not enough to just have tears and to cry tears. We need to be bringers like this friend. One, bring the situation to God in prayer. Number two. Um, you know, what can you physically do to help that person, to bring comfort to that person? You know, maybe you see a struggling single mom and you know she struggles and you know she's not got enough. Maybe you know someone. Buy them a bag of groceries. Come and bring it to their house. Make a casserole. Pop it over to the house and say, hey, I had extra and I thought I'd bring you this, you know, and I thought you and and your child would really um, like this meal and I just wanted to do something nice for you. You know, these are ways of being a bringer, of of having compassion, just like the friends of the paralytic knew I'm going to bring them to Jesus. You know, by kindness, we are bringing people to to Jesus. It says, um, it is the kindness of God that causes a person to repent. How do they know the kindness of God? Unless we show them the kindness of God through our lives, through us. God is in us. We therefore show them kindness. It is the kindness of God that leads a man to repentance. Isn't that amazing? The kindness of God. And we can help people come to repentance. And repentance is just thinking a new way. Saying, I don't want to be a sinner anymore. I want to live for God. Just by simple act of kindness, of that compassion, the compassion that says, I feel for you, I'm willing to be in it with you, and I'm willing to be a bringer and bring you to the feet of Jesus in prayer and in in, in practical ways such as helping people in what they need. Maybe you have extra cash and you know somebody needs petrol in their car and they can't afford it and they can't get to work and you have an extra 20. You know what? You will never, ever, ever um, miss out in life by by blessing someone with finances. You won't be less for it. Let's put it that way. In the eyes of heaven, God is saying, you know, that is the right thing to do, to to give of our excess to those who have need. Okay. Well, I'm going to say we're done now with talking about Jesus um, and the paralytic. We've talked about so many takeaways from this story. Um... And from this account in Matthew. And um, I hope you're blessed. And I hope that that really spoke to you. And I know that I'm going to think about this story more for myself. Because I've learned so much from it. And I'll see you next week at Bible Study. 1030 every Wednesday. God bless. Have a great week.